0: Good Thursday morning, everyone. Doug Farrar, editor of Touchdown Wire and the USA Today Sports Media Group Network, here along with our five-tool guy, Mark Schofield. Mark, we got a few things to talk about. Now, there is a buy between the preseason and the regular season. This has me all screwed up because I'm like, okay, there's college football, but where did the NFL go? Everyone's taking the weekend off and Labor Day, and then we got to like jump back into it. And what the heck?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky um, to reframe the mind. When we have this sort of bye week. Thankfully, college football gives us something tonight. But yeah, we we get a, a weekend to sort of catch our breath before the long, strange marathon to the draft begins. Um, would so
0: we... yeah, with that in mind, I, instead of looking forward, which we'll do next week when we get the preview podcast rolling again and all kinds of interesting matchups to go on uh, to go with there, I wanted to go back and look at the preseason. And uh, as you put in your article, uh, the all preseason touchdown wire's all preseason team. There's making a roster, there's going to the Pro Bowl, there's going to the Super Bowl. But when you make the touchdown wire all preseason team, I feel like that's that's the real feather in your cap. I, I mean,
1: I've already seen on Instagram, you know, agents promoting their clients who were named to the touchdown wire all preseason team. And of course, I'm actually not being honest when I say that because nobody's doing that. But it is, a, I think, a tremendous honor to be named to this illustrious team because you know there are people that were veterans that once started jobs that, that were on this there are people that just made rosters that were on this there are there were rookies that maybe lived up to some hype or played above their pre-draft expectations so it was fun to put together it was a fun little preseason, and it was good to be able to see some of the all 22 thank you
0: nfl i have no comment <laughs> <laughs> well, now they're saying that game pass will be available at some point in the regular season. We apologize for the inconvenience. And when player search comes back, I'll never know. I would rather ha- honestly, I would uh, just a side rant. I'd rather have player search and broadcast than no player search in all 22. Just yeah. from a perspective of looking at guys and okay. Matthew Stafford, all his snaps now. Well, I- I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> couple of football dorks whining about all 22. Yeah, That, that makes for a really compelling podcast. It right? does
1: make for great, great audio. Oh,
0: boy. Okay, so uh we're going to do your all-preseason team, and we had a couple of crossovers. I'm going to do mine. Yours is up on touchdown wire. I may or may not put mine up on touchdown wire. We'll see how that rolls. I'm working on a couple of things, um, including – one potentially fatal flaw for a NFL team with the Texans that can just put everything, everything, next, everything. Is a flaw. Some teams make it easier to write about than others. So you're a touchdown wire, all preseason team. You start out at quarterback with a rather familiar face and uh, you did a piece how the job was won starring Jameis Winston. I mean, I'll just say a couple of things. If Jameis can cut his error rate to say 60% of the 30 for 30 year, um, yep. they got something done there. And are there five coaches who are better at designing open routes and open concepts for receivers than Sean Payton? Uh, hint. No. Probably
1: not. No. Hint.
0: No. Uh, he Definitely. will come back, curl, uh, skinny post, slant, combo. He'll just, yeah. So talk to me about Winston. Well, I was just very
1: impressed, particularly with his game against Jacksonville, when he showed command of the offense, command of the decision-making process from the pocket, showed the ability to sort of adjust things pre-snap. The second touchdown to Callaway, you know, it was a zero blitz look, and he gave him a signal that look run the go. I'm gonna hit you on that. And that was um, a
0: heater. By the way, Marcus Callaway also off the hook, he was falling down and pleading for play at or for pass interference at the same time he caught it with one hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean two two very impressive players um this preseason. I, I just like you said, if James could just cut down on the mistakes, and I know that's such an easy thing for us to say, right? Oh, if he could just stop making mistakes, he's gonna be great. But that's the thing. I mean, we've we've read in recent days how anonymous NFL executives are saying that Jameis could be like a a fantastic player this year because he has the arm. He has the talent. He has all that. This this is all that we've known about Jameis for years now, dating back to Florida State. It's it's always been Kenny cut down the mistakes. I remember that was my bugaboo on him when he was coming out of Florida state, throw it into triple coverage, targeted nickel Larry, triple coverage, things like that. Like with Sean Payton, maybe there's finally a chance for him to do that.
0: We have to remember that he's been in the Sean Payton incubator for a season already. Yeah. So this isn't new. And he's got an, yeah. uh, you know, a year away from crazy verts. And yeah, my comp, my comp when he came out of Florida State was Jay Cutler. Um, are these the same? I never know what like the, I wish they would do like anonymous scout A and anonymous scout B. So we don't have to know the names, but at least it can like tabulate their opinions, just sort of get right. We we're talking to Gil Brandt years ago and he said, but we were the Cowboys. We didn't just grade the players, we graded the scouts. So, we know what their biases were. So, if a guy says Jameis Winston is going to be the next whoever, it's like, are you the same guy who said that Daniel Jones is going to be an all pro by year three? Because, right, no. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, running back, easy call. Yeah, good I lord, mean, Ramondre Stevenson, i.e., Derrick Henry Jr. Wow.
1: Yeah, he's been fantastic. And, and, and I, I really think that they are carving out a bigger role for him than just say, you know, he's going to be the guy that gets the Foxborough flu and they're going to medically redshirt him this year and some of the stuff that Bill Belichick has done. No, they're going to use they him. They're going to use him a lot. I they mean, can. they've tra- they've traded Sony Michelle. There isn't somebody in their running back room right now that has the combination of both power and footwork that he has. Now, I think, David- by the way,
0: the, get, let's, let's do the power thing. Can we disabuse ourselves of the notion that he's Garrett Blunt? Because he's not. He's faster. He's an every-down guy. He can catch the ball. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying he's Derrick Henry, but he has, you know, the, the occasional Derrick Henry, 99-yard He's like beating safeties downfield. I would say that Ramondre Stevenson, in an underdeveloped, you know, to an NFL degree sense, has a lot of those same attributes. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: I think, you know, at first blush, I understand why people went to LeGarrette blunt route, but he's so much more than that. And he has the footwork of a much more nimble and smaller scatback type player. Like, And I think that's why they're going to rely on him more than people might expect. When you see in that third preseason game, they're going empty, they're flexing him out wide, they're throwing hitches to him on Haas, like uh, that's a sign that they're going to be a there's going to be a bigger role for him this season in this offense that people might expect sitting here right now. But he was incredible. He was absolutely incredible this preseason. And, you know, Belichick, I, I know we're probably going to touch on Cam and Mac at some point. Belichick has definitely said, look, we are turning the page on this offense and we are going with these guys, these young kids going forward.
0: Yeah, I was going to start with Cam versus Mac. Oh, let's do that at the end. Um, I got okay. about that. So uh, the aforementioned Marquez Callaway, yeah, uh, it's not like Michael Thomas, who or whom, but and it, and you know Thomas is a he's a decent deep receiver. So even when yep. it, it's not like Callaway replicates or replaces Thomas's skill set, it's two different things. And then you get the you know the deep post guy and the and the seam route guy and the forty yards downfield guy, and you have Thomas and that you know beyond the sean Payton route concepts that makes it even easier for James because this kid is so- yeah
1: yeah no he was he's also very impressive this preseason seemed to get open on everything seemed to get open at the line of scrimmage seemed to get open deep in the down if he needed to adjustments ball skills competitive toughness at the catch point like he checks he checked this preseason so many boxes you want to see a wide receiver check it so yeah, I mean, I, I think this was an easy call. There were some other receivers that stood out. I mean, Jacoby Myers stood out to me. There were some others as well. You know, I think Devonta Smith, even though he didn't play a ton, he looked great against New England. He was open all the time. So there are a number of receivers that were impressive, but Callaway just really stood out to me.
0: I have to, yeah, I have two receivers on mine. Uh, I have to hold my water for Devonta Smith, who I think will be incredible when Joe Flacco is not throwing empty beer cans in his direction because that was – right. Ugh. Zoinks, uh tied in Jesper Horstead. And we'll get more into Jesper when I go on my Justin Fields rant, which is coming uh pretty soon. Uh but Yeah. This guy, what, three touchdowns?
1: Three touchdowns. I mean, just always seemed to get open. Um, Did a pretty good job blocking too when he was tasked with blocking. And for all the like oohs and ahs over that Fields touchdown against the Tennessee Titans where he like rolled to his right and all that stuff. It was Jesper Horstead who made the catch. And it was a tough catch in traffic to toe tap on the sideline to finish the play, he's somebody that went into this training camp as like a bubble guy on the roster, but they made it hard to cut him so they couldn't. And so, while the other guys we've talked about like might win started jobs or one started jobs, this is a guy that won a roster spot what he wasn't expected to based on what he did in this preseason. preseason. I thought that was really
0: impressive. Is it good to be able to get open in most offenses? Is it good to be, a, is it good, important to get open in a Matt Nagy offense? We don't know. It's
1: critically important to get open to Matt Nagy offense because. Oh, well, yeah. Because that offense is what it is. He
0: ain't going to do it. Um, yeah. The sack of Fields, I put up a screen cap of what Fields saw. um First of all, you have Jermaine Ifetti as your right tackle, which again, we'll get into that later. um What he saw when he hit his back foot, and he had like four guys and they were all covered because it was just ISO, ISO, ISO. I'm like, okay. Yep. I didn't know you were Mike McCarthy, but I guess you are. Uh, Your offensive tackle, Yash Nijman of the Green Bay Packers. Tell me about him. I did not – I have a Packers offensive lineman on my list, but I did not really focus on Yash. Yeah,
1: um, somebody that stood out to me both in the run game and in pass protection, aggressive, quick feet with his pass sets, seemed willing to do the work in the run game. You know, I had a clip of him running duo – immediate combo up to the second level, looking for work, all that stuff that you want to see from an offensive lineman. And similar to Horstead, like somebody that just won a spot, like he's not going to start. Obviously they have, they have a a left tackle that's better than him, but somebody that did enough to win a roster position in the preseason gave up, I think just one sack played a ton of snaps. Like I think 147 snaps this preseason, which is a lot three preseason games, but he played in all of them. I was very impressed with his footwork, very impressed with his hand placement. And so, you know, there are a couple of different offensive linemen you could have picked. Um, even some of the rookies, uh, Lucas Nann as well, I thought did pretty well uh, on the Chiefs right side. But I, I liked what this kid did.
0: Well, the af- the, the guy you're talking about, David Bakhtiari, is going to miss the first six weeks of the regular season. He's on PUP. And so they may move Elgton Jenkins over to left tackle. Yeah, that's what they're probably going to do. I think Jenkins is better inside. My point is, uh, for the Packers offensive linemen, you just mentioned Josh and the guy I'm going to mention, uh, opportunities abound. Yeah, and it, it sucks for the Packers that they're not going to have Bakhtieri, but you know, better in the postseason than the first six weeks,
1: right?
0: Because they found that out last year. Yikes. Uh, Especially against the Buccaneers, WX. Uh, Interior offensive line, Kevin Dotson of the Steelers, you have. And I find this because they really, Steelers really reshape their offensive line. And I'm not saying these kids who have replaced, you know, Pouncing, DeCastro, and Villain Waver are going to be amazing against, you know, NFL defenses in the regular season. But I was really surprised week to week how well these guys held up.
1: Yeah. And this is somebody that, Prior to like preseason and training camp, there were rumors that he was out of shape, that he wasn't working out, and all this stuff, and Mike Tomlin was out there saying that he hasn't earned reps with the first team yet, and so the expectations were low, but he was one of the best interior offensive linemen like around the league this entire preseason. Played extremely well, was dominant in the run game, which you want to see. Held up well in pass protection, played in all three games, really locked down that left guard spot, and like you said, they're rebuilding their offensive line, particularly in the interior interior, you know, the guy they had last year, he went down, you know, late the season. Now he's with the Chargers. So they needed this guy to step up and lock down that left guard spot. He did it. It was impressive. And I, I just love when somebody like sort of turns the page on the rumors that were about them, right? Because he was out of shape. Look, he was looking skiddy. Like it was like he skipped leg day. Like I saw all the tweets, the DMs, you want a roster spot and want to start a job
0: hats off to him. I was watching Orlando Brown tape this week. There's a guy who really beat the narrative. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) like Worst period, combine period ever. And then, uh, you know, now he's with the best offense in the NFL. Uh, I remember we were saying, I think, a month ago on the pod, like Ben's going to have 700 three-step drops. Maybe not.
1: Maybe not. Maybe not.
0: We'll see. Uh, Your edge defender is a guy I'm familiar with up in Washington State, Joe Tryon, Shoyenka, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What did you see from Joe?
1: Speed, speed to power, the ability to sort of get after the quarterback off the snap to win early in the down, but then the effort rate to win late in the down. I mean, he was, this was such a strange, and I mentioned this when I wrote it up, this was just a weird edge class, right? Because even the guys at the top, whether it was, you know, Jalen Phillips, whether it was Gregory Rousseau, like, there were question marks on all of these guys. And the one question mark sort of on JTS was he opted out. Like, how much are we trusting him? I always thought he'd be better in like an off-ball role than somebody that was just going to line up in his ears back, get after the quarterback. And then when the Buccaneers drafted him at the end of the first round, it was probably the you know prototypical luxury pick, right? You yep. didn't have a ton of needs. Why not take a flyer on this guy? He's lived up to the first round build in my mind. Just a imp- very solid, you know, preseason slate of games. The speed mm-hmm. off the edge really flashed. And I know at times, like, he'd beat Dylan Raddatz on one play. And, like, Dylan's probably going to take some time to, like, adjust to life Dylan in the NFL. Did not FCS,
0: Dylan, I uh, uh, watched uh, him because I liked his uh, North Dakota State tape. He did not have a great preseason.
1: <laughs> no, he did And,
0: you know, that's going to happen, but.
1: But but the way he beat him so quick after the snap, like that's going to work against many offensive tackles that aren't Dylan Raddett. So, you know, JTS, tremendous preseason just gives that defense just one more weapon in their arsenal of how they can get after opposing quarterbacks
0: uh spoiler alert there are two guys on your list that are also on my list it's the first one Malik McDowell Cleveland Browns um I know Malik well because he was drafted by the Seahawks in the second round of the 2017 draft ATV accident multiple arrests 11 months in jail we're thinking okay terrible story because at Michigan State he was a top 10 talent and the only reason he dropped the second round was off-field stuff which was already happening um and I, you know, you just, you, you hope the guy can keep it together. Um, he made the final 53 for the Browns who don't really have a dominant in. I mean, you have to look, you have to get the microscope out. the like Hubble to find holes in the Browns roster. Interior defensive disruption is not like an A plus thing. But after seeing what McDowell did, especially he had a sack against the Giants, had a sack against the Falcons. What he did, to Atlanta's interior offensive line, including Dolman, the kid from Stanford, who I think they took in the fourth round, that was embarrassing. That was just like, yeah. whoa! That was an NFL guy against high school players. It was that bad for Atlanta. Yeah,
1: no, and like you said, like interior defensive pressure, pressure and you know push isn't critical. But when you look at what Cleveland has around the rest of their defense. Uh, I mean, if he could sort of lock down the inside, that could be a top five defense. It really could in my mind. I love what they have put together this year. And if they have the ability to sort of rely on him in the interior to sort of win on the inside, that would be massive for the Cleveland Browns and their chances to sort of not just get back to the playoffs, not just
0: sort of get past the division around. But I think potentially win the AFC. Oh, Mark, I have a Tom Brady on line one. He's disagreeing with your assessment that interior defensive disruption is not critical. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's Tom. fair, Tom. See you later. Okay. Linebacker, Micah Parsons, Dallas Cowboys, taken, I believe, 11th overall. So you kind of, you were thinking he's going to be, yeah, <laughs> whoa. He's been great. Uh, the, the prototype for today's NFL linebacker is speed all over the place, full field coverage, the ability to get to a, to a spot before any blocker can deal with you, and he certainly showed that. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, he's been fantastic. And I think going forward, the idea that they are two linebackers in sort of nickel-dime situations will be him and Jabril Cox, I, I think that's a recipe for, like, the modern NFL defense, right? Two guys, speed, coverage, one that can get after the passer And Parsons. You know, he had the fumble recovery in, in their the Hall of Fame game, showed that you can flush quarterbacks from the pocket, from the edge, or the interior, you know, makes people miss, evades blocks extremely well, can play against the run, showed some coverage skills. There's... We talked about this in the lead up to the draft, right? The the value of an off-ball linebacker. Well, when you can find ways to be more than just a off-ball linebacker, when you can flash coverage skills, where you can get after the quarterback, you're going to be extremely valuable to your team. And so for an organization trying to rebuild their defense, he's delivered so far.
0: Dallas's defense last year was a dumpster fire. We all know this. Um, They were not great in cover one and cover three. So it's one reason I'm saying, you know, we like Dan Quinn better than Mike Nolan, but let's you know tap the brakes on this is an overnight fix. But the Cowboys didn't play a lot of dime last year. They were very good against the pass when they did. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, our second guy who wound up on both of our lists, Elijah Molden, uh slot, we'll call him since he plays there most of um, the Tennessee Titans. Um, and I'll just break in here. In one of my mocks this year, I had the Patriots trading down with the Ravens and taking Molden, uh, wherever the, I think it was 28. Because when I watched him, I thought, this is a Patriots player. This is, yeah. and it's a Patriots first round pick because he's a defensive back. And it's so Belichick to take like a third round guy in the first round. Everyone goes, ah. huh? And then right. he becomes a Pro Bowler. Um, and I was talking to Kevin Bayard uh, about a month ago and, and I asked him about Molden. He said, the kid came in and he's like he's just heady he's like he got the defense right away and it was the recognition skills and the the right place right time that allows him to peel off and make plays where he shouldn't be which is an yeah. incredibly valuable asset for any defensive back no matter what position you play
1: yeah and you know i i thought it was very interesting washington used him at safety at times last year and i think That put him in a position to learn so much more about defense, about coverages, about shells, about responsibilities, about reading the play from a different vantage point. I I think that opportunity for him put him in this position to be extremely successful. Look, his little like slide tackle sack was a fantastic play. But he was somebody that I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that he's had this level of success because I I made him one of my top 11 corners into the draft. I was just so enamored with this kid, the way he sees and plays the game, the physicality he brings to it. I I think he's going to be a a standout slot corner in this league for years to come.
0: The Browns did a lot to overhaul their secondary in the offseason, which they really needed to. Um, And you have a guy on your list who could be a, a, a little X factor there.
1: Yeah. I mean, Richard the count third, like the Georgia kid, you know, might've been, a uh, picked a lot early in the draft. He had the motorbike accident on Halloween where, you know, he worked his way to come back for their bowl game, but then had a horrible pro day. I mean, I remember the day of the Georgia pro day, every sort of DM group chat, all that stuff was like, he ran a what? Cause he ran like four, nine, four, seven, nine in the 40. It's was like, you can't be four eight, you know, as a free safety in the NFL, like you, you just can't do that. And so it looked like he wasn't going to, he was just not going to pan out. He's been fantastic. He's been explosive. He's been sideline to sideline. He had two interceptions in the preseason, both of which came on Hail Mary plays, but you still saw some of his ability, but you know, I put in a clip from their game against Atlanta, of him driving downhill, reading the quarterback, breaking up a dig route. John Johnson, the third is their free safety. Don't get me wrong, but somebody with this skill set. Might find a role in some other sub packages, and there might come a time when they use both of those two on the field at the same time.
0: Well, they want Johnson and Grant Delpit on the field, and Johnson's the shot caller because he was for state in LA, so he's going to be the shot caller, so he'll be on the field as much as possible. Delpit, there's no guarantee he'll be ready for the start of the regular season, and I'm not saying the count's going to go in there and start, they might have other guys and you know do whatever, but um. The Delpit thing is not, unfortunately, not automatic. So
1: No, it's not, which is a shame because, you know, I I was a fan of his coming out, and the thought of him as one more piece in that defense, which I've been
0: talking about so much, was very exciting. One more guy, you can play about four different roles. Yes. They have many of them. Now, that can also turn into a train wreck. Hello, Cardinals. Uh, But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, So that's your all-preseason team. Love it. My all preseason team starts with going to do this again. Justin Fields, quarterback, Chicago Bears. Oh, boy. Um, all right. So first two games, first two preseason games, they wouldn't let him they wouldn't allow him to play with the starters. OK, whatever. Um, it's like the, the the student court in animal house. It's the most rigged thing since then. Um, so then they give him the starting five and his right tackle is Jermaine Effetti, which is effectively you have no right tackle um steered my notes fields who played behind a backup line into the preseason, preseason feeling against the titans was pressured on 29 of his 62 dropbacks completed 13 of 18 passes for 133 yards 7.4 yards per attempt one touchdown no interceptions and a pass rating of 111.6 that included by the way the ridiculous touchdown pass to jesper horstead which came under pressure Andy Dalton under pressure this preseason Three of seven passes for three completions, seven attempts for 21 yards, three yards per attempt, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 50.3. Dalton has taken two sacks on 23 dropbacks compared to Fields, three on 62 dropbacks. If you can still figure out why Dalton is starting ahead of Fields and Bears take on the Rams uh, on September 12th, please let us know. Please send into the podcast and give us some insight and wisdom here because I got nothing. Yeah. There is no, there is no way in which Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than Justin Fields. There is no, no way. There is no one thing that Andy Dalton does better than Justin Fields. From the pocket, outside the pocket, on the move, reading defenses, making throws. Oh my God, the arm difference is just like, come on.
1: I mean, the only thing I can think of is that setting protections pre-snap. Like that's the only thing I can think of that they trust Andy Dalton with more. Setting
0: of what? Protections. Setting what? Yeah. Setting Who? They don't have <laughs> Yeah. No, I know. No, That's the right. only thing I could think of. This is the Chicago Bears, Mark. There are no protections. There are no protections. There are no protections. That's just the way it is. Um, so, Tyler Huntley, Ravens took him undrafted last year. Um, got a little bit of time. First two games, he was kind of captain checkout checked out. And then where the hell did this come from against the Washington? And right. just deep balls all over the place. And... The players were saying, you know, if you put a number eight on his jersey, we couldn't tell the difference. That was that was quite something. Twenty four or thirty three for two hundred eighty five yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, 17 yards and another touchdown, three rushing attempts. And it was it wasn't like you're going against because I hate this. Well, oh, it's the preseason. OK, block. Right. Um, stop it. You're the people that other people walk away from the parties. Um he, it it wasn't like he was doing against third stringers, and the guy was in the wrong place. He was making tight window throws, thirty yards downfield. Yeah, you know, on target with you know movement, and it's like, okay, I I guess Cam's not going to Baltimore. I guess you got your guy, and, and Greg Roman has said when we put Huntley in the offense, there's not a big adjustment, and that's crucial because Baltimore's offense is obviously very unique. So I think Huntley is, you know, they've had all kinds of people behind Lamar. And obviously you don't want Lamar to get hurt. You want Lamar to start and, you know, do great things. But based on what I saw against Washington with Huntley, hey, they got something there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he was kind of intriguing at Utah. I remember doing a video on him, showed some stuff that he had in the toolkit that would work at the next level. I think he's kind of the perfect backup for Lamar. Um given some of the things he can do. Like you said, he made some tight window throws against Washington that were incredible and And, eye-popping. I think he's – yeah, they don't need a backup. They've got it. They've got it in him.
0: Yeah. Michael Hasty, running back, San Francisco 49ers. You remember uh, watching him out of Baylor?
1: I don't think so. I didn't do a lot lot on him coming out. That's
0: kind of my point because he's the next Raheem Mostert like right watch this guy and here he is uh two touchdowns against the Raiders who were completely gobsmacked by San Francisco's two quarterback counter bash experiment by the way little history lesson kids Kyle Shanahan is not the first 49ers head coach to alternate quarterbacks in a game that was Red Hickey who brought the shotgun to the NFL in 1961 when he alternated Billy Kilmer John Brody and Bob Waters just saying uh, so second year under drafted free agent from Baylor, 176 yards and 35 attempts this preseason, forcing a ton of missed tackles through contact. His two touchdowns against the Raiders. I mean, yes, the Raiders were waiting for stuff, but it wasn't like he had wide open lanes and uh, blown assignments. He was blowing shit up. So that's a guy, you know, Hasty had, he's kind of like Huntley had a little, you know, a couple reps season one. Kyle Shanahan's offense is a cheat code for any running back because it's not just inside outside zone, it's everything. It's power yep. trap, it's gap, it's wham, it's whatever. Um, there are guys on this list where you think he's gonna be a good backup. Hasty could sneak in for six games and do some stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you know, they're going to be a run first team in a sense, not that they're gonna run it all the time, but. So much of what they do in the past game builds off the run that there's an opportunity for San Francisco backs to put up big numbers this year, and it could be him, like you said.
0: Well, either way, if it's Garoppolo, it's going to be run heavy just to mitigate. You know, you don't want Jimmy throwing too much. Right. It's Lance when it's Lance. Um. Well, we saw with you're still going to run the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, I got Kaepernick flashbacks from uh, the Super Bowl year. I'm just yeah. Uh. So, Karis Marshall, Panthers. I thought we were smarter about LSU receivers by now than to let this guy slip to the second round. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, well, there were a couple, a couple of things that I just wasn't really enamored with him. Um, but maybe I should have learned my lesson from Justin. Um, but he, there's, there, it should be well, a surprise that he's doing you well. You led
0: the charge on Justin. You were, yeah, uh, but it, made, it should be a surprise
1: that, that he's doing well in Carolina under Joe Brady because – if there's a guy that's going to walk into Joe Brady's, you know, offensive system and know that from day one, it's him.
0: And it, one of my favorite Lance Zierline terms, uh, slot bully. That's what he was. Yeah. 60 yarder from PJ Walker against the Colts. And, but my favorite play was, I know you saw it the tunnel screen against the Steelers last week. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed to evade Pittsburgh's entire defense. Um, yeah. And in that offense, you know, you got Robbie Anderson. So you've you, you, you got your sort of targets defined, to have a slot guy for Sam Darnold uh, who's going to need it behind that offensive line. He's going to need, you know, a a yak monster who can create on a, you know, a a simple hot read a lot. And Sam was not great under pressure. I believe he was the lowest rated quarterback under pressure, by quarterback rating uh, last year. And have you seen that offensive line? I said a Taylor Moton, not good. That's not great. Um, So Marshall's another guy who, yes, preseason blah, blah blah but he could also get a lot of reps yeah uh, michael strahan strahan uh not michael strahan who's getting his number retired by the giants but strahan, michael uh seventh round rookie at a charleston caught 10 passes on 16 targets for 130 yards despite indianapolis's wtf lol quarterback situation which looks to extend itself well into the regular season because you know Frank Reich is saying it's no big deal with vaccination as Chris Ballard is saying, yes, it's a huge deal. And Carson Wentz is in the middle going, I don't even know if I can play anymore. So they're going to need receivers.
1: Yeah. They're going to need receivers. It was nice to see what he was able to do. I mean, the bigger question in Indianapolis is the quarterback situation now, because Ellinger's out is Wentz going to be cleared to go week one. Is it Jacob Eason week one? And we've talked already at length about how they start their season, four playoff teams in Miami.
0: Yeah. I mean, Easton, how do you describe him as kind of a statue with a howitzer? Yeah, um, exactly. Now, if, if Nelson's healthy, best guard in the game, best, maybe the best offensive lineman. I don't know. Ryan Kelly's yeah. healthy. You obviously need your center. Uh, I believe Fisher's the penciled in left tackle. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. This is starting to look like the 49ers last year or the chargers for several years before that, <laughs> like one year, every team just gets completely screwed yep. with the football gods. And it's starting to look like the Colts and they're not helping matters with their own free will. Yeah. Exactly. Um, our fearless managing editor, Neil Kulong, who is a Pittsburgh guy and all things Steelers had told me about Pat Fryer with this, watch this guy. And he was the first guy I think who, and I know you've mentioned it, the under the radar nickname is baby Gronk. And we're talking about baby, the best tight end ever. So, right, you don't want to go there until you watch him. The second touchdown against the Lions in week two, I'm like, okay, pinballed out of coverage, two guys, and it is Lions coverage. So, I know it doesn't count. Uh, don't play man if you can't play man, kids. No, nope. uh, but the second touchdown where he pinballed off two guys and then tight coverage in the end zone on a little, uh, a little slant, and he jumped up about three yards and caught the ball and just completely demolished the poor guy who was covering him. I'm like, okay, maybe Gronk it is. Make up the T-shirts. because And they had no presence at tight end last year. He can also block. Nah. Um, yep. As we've mentioned uh, in the preseason podcasts, the one thing you never want to do with Eric Ebron is hit him between the eight and the five. Right. I don't know where the exact point is where you're supposed to hit Eric Ebron, but Firemouth could make that a moot point. Or a moose point? Who knows? A move I, point. I like that. Moose point. I mean, he he was
1: somebody that I did like somewhat. It was just you bring him up a lot. Kyle we Pitts.
0: we discussed
1: him more than once. So give me your thought. yeah. I mean, I I was really surprised he fell to where he did because I thought Jacksonville was going to draft him to open up night two of the draft. I, I they needed a tight end. I, I thought that was going to be the landing. Well, spot, that so was team plan. Come on, Mark. Yeah, exactly. I was surprised he fell to Pittsburgh, but. That's a great situation for him. And like you said, look, Penn State used him in line. Like like one of the toughest transitions for rookie tight ends is, okay, on some plays you're going to be a pseudo offensive tackle. Can you handle that? Where do I stand? Where do I align? Because I've been in the slot or flexed out to the outside my entire college career. That wasn't the case with him. It also wasn't the case with Pitts. They they used him in line, too, yeah. probably to boost his draft stock, but also because he's a unicorn. But he's they handling. did that with Frymouth. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we kind of could see a path for him to be very critical to Pittsburgh or wherever he ended up as a rookie. And we're seeing that play out. Is he baby Heath? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. I mean, that could be it.
0: Uh, Stone Forsyth, offensive tackle, Seattle Seahawks, uh, right side with Seattle. We talked about him pre and post draft. Florida alum who lasted until the sixth round because his pass blocking was above average, but his power was, um, shall we say, lacking. If you're 6'8", it's never good to stand straight up. Nope. You tend to lose leverage. He did erase Aziz Ojolari when Florida played Georgia, but I had real questions about his leverage, his bend, and his hand use. His hands are just like he doesn't know what to do. And you know, I, I got to watch tape once with Walter Jones. Walter Jones is sitting in my living room saying, The first thing you have to do is attack with your hands. And if Walter Jones says that, that's what you do, right? Um, Walter Jones is a huge man and is very smart, so do what he says. Um, Forsyth allowed two pressures on 67 pass blocking reps. More importantly, it looked really good, especially against the Chargers when asked to pinch inside and seal the edge in the run game for Alex Collins, who also made a case for himself in his return to Seattle um, behind Chris Carson. They kept Rashad Penny, which I, that's just, you know, we made the f- worst first round pick of our careers and we're just trying to bail water. But, and I'm not saying Forsyth is, is there yet. They have a lot of work to do with his hands um, because he doesn't really know how to, how to, clench and attack and keep guys away he doesn't know how to coordinate his bend with his hand use but if he gets that um they might have something there at the sixth round if he can develop into a starting right tackle or left tackle um with those tools i mean that 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 could
1: happen yeah i mean i remember brendan Thorne saying that if he went back to school he was gonna be a first round pick next year yeah And he came out and Seattle, if they're able to turn him into what a first round pick looks like, like a starting right tackle or left tackle in the NFL, that's a tremendous job by John Schneider. And you mentioned the Aziz game. Like, yeah, he could probably get drafted off that game alone. You shut down somebody like that. And, you know, it's not like Aziz had like a well-developed and refined, like move to the inside game. Like he needed to round out his pass rushing plan, but you, you Aziz's game, game, like that game that?
0: Like, yeah. Aziz's game is me go fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, me go fast outside your shoulder, left outside shoulder. Yeah, but Stone Force, I've handled them in that game and had them rather effectively.
0: If he can, was the foundation. I was watching the uh, the film session with Orlando Brown that uh, Brian Baldinger did at NFL Films, and, and Orlando Brown was talking about how important it is, and I think Orlando is six eight two how to almost overemphasize your bend and get your hands out to the point where guys just can't get inside because your arms are so long and you're so freaking big. And I think if Forsyth did that, it would really help him in his development. Um, And, you know, Hey, Brandon Thorne, uh, we know about Brandon, worked with the at 1,000. Yep. I think he's going back to Bleacher this year. A uh, good man. And uh, he knows O-line better than just about yep. anyone. So there you go. Yep. Uh Speaking of O-line, Rashawn Slater, he only played 20 snaps, but this guy's bringing the nasty already. And there are a few things I'm looking more forward to in week one than the Slater chase Young rematch.
1: I mean, that's going to be a war. I mean, it's going to be an absolute battle.
0: Uh, didn't give up a single pressure in 20 pass blocking snaps. And part of the reason why is, They kept him at left tackle As opposed to Penny Sewell Which that is a flipping. It's a problem And the whole right and left tackle Is interchangeable Stop Yeah Um, we need to stop that I don't remember who it was. might've been Joe Thomas, might've been Eric Steinbach. Somebody said moving from the right side to the left side is like wiping your butt with the other hand. And I've never experimented with that. So we'll just leave that alone, but it's been a real problem for, for Sewell. And- yeah, I, I, I
1: saw a recent discussion from, I don't know if it was Jeff Schwartz or Duke Manningweather or somebody would say It's easier to move from left tackle to left guard than it is left tackle to right tackle, because at least the footwork, you're still the same angles, side, yeah. you're still same side. Like, as much as we push back on the, oh, this is a great tackle. Let's move them to guard in the NFL. Like, if you've got to move somebody, keep them same side, because the whole footwork, you, you just learned it to dance backwards or how
0: whatever analogy you want to use. Zach Martin, who, if Quentin Nelson isn't the best guard in the NFL, uh, Zach is, worked pretty well for him. Yep fellow Notre Dame guy. Uh, So my Green Bay Packers offensive lineman, I forget which Packers offensive lineman it was described himself or one of his coaches described him as a garbage can full of dirt, which I just thought was like, yes, that's so good. But Royce Newman, offensive guard, looked great in the run game this preseason, especially working combo stuff didn't allow a single pressure and 42 pass blocking reps. This guy, I think he was a fourth rounder. He just screams, Lafleur, Shanahan, McVay type of blocker who can, you know, combo and hit the second level, can run inside and outside zone. I think he's going to be a starter soon. Royce Newman, pencil that guy in. Super awesome mullet too, um, which just helps. Absolutely. He gives Aaron Rodgers some mullet power. I think Aaron's working on his own mullet, so double mullet power. Can you imagine if the the Packers signed Gardner Minshew and you had triple mullet power? Triple mullet. There we go. Yeah uh Alton Robinson edge Seattle Seahawks fifth round pick out of Syracuse in 2020 he really showed some stuff late in his rookie season had a sack and eight pressures this preseason I'm going to make an elevated comparison he reminds me of Cliff Averill speed around the edge speed to power straight ahead um I've watched tape with Cliff I know Cliff decently I've watched a lot of Cliff's tape Alton Robinson out of nowhere you put him on the other side of Carlos Dunlap and maybe Seattle solves its pass rush problem, which would be good because I don't think they know who's who their cornerbacks are. I think it's, Trey, yeah. it's Trey on one side, Sidney Jones, maybe on the other. That was an interesting trade. We'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, Alton Robinson name to remember um, the uh, aforementioned Lake McDowell. I mean, just, just go back and watch in, in Mark's article, there's a three play. Um, I think it was from the OBR report. Yeah, the OBR, yeah. Um, Who worked with Barry McBride back at the Scout.com days like 100 years ago. Hi, Barry. Um, Just what he does to Atlanta's interior offensive line. I mean, that's – He just collapses (laughs) it, like three straight plays. Parental advisory. Yeah. Uh, D. Delaney, cornerback, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, undrafted free agent out of the Citadel and then Miami in 2018. He spent time with the Jaguars, Dolphins, and Washington. Bucks signed him in May um, he's had just three regular season snaps in the NFL, his NFL career to date. But, you know, you have Carlton Davis. You have – the cornerback situation is not necessarily defined. Um, Delaney this year allowed four catches on 10 targets for 19 yards, 29 yards after the catch, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Both came against the Texans. And an opponent passed a rating of 8.3. Is that good? That's pretty good. I think that's, that's pretty, pretty good, Doug. Um, I liked his his – his speed to the ball, his ability to jump routes, he seems like a good diagnoser. Um, the all 22 shows some good stuff. I think D Delaney could be a guy because you never know what happens in season. I think Todd Bowles is going to be looking at everyone trying to figure out okay, who are our cornerbacks behind, um, behind Davis? You know, they've, they've got some options, but I think he's a guy who it, it's not. A, a completely defined trio uh murphy bunting is there he could crash the party we'll see yeah i mean watch you know i guess
1: like sort of like cornerback depth cornerback rotations the cornerback situations have a bit like it's a question but it's like the one little weakness they might have on a very good defense
0: uh, we both talked about Elijah Molden. I'm going to look something up on Delaney here while I'm blathering on about Elijah Molden. Uh, the Titans were horrible in the slot last year. That ends now. Yeah, that does end now. Absolutely. And Molden can also play man, which is good because outside of the Lions, the Titans were the worst. Don't play man if you can't play man team last year. So it's good if, you know, you have really like epic schematic failures, at least for the love of God, draft guys who can – play in your epic schematic failures. What I'm looking up is how often the Bucks played dime last year. I'm thinking it was a crap ton. I think so too. I remember talking about it a lot last year. All right. Why is this not working? Um oh because I went with six defensive linemen. Yeah, that's not going to be a lot because it's not 1934. Duh. (laughs) Bears led the NFL in dime snaps with 226 per Sports Info Solutions. Let's include the postseason. Yes, I know this is a compelling podcast. It is, football. it is, it is. Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, I know. Including the postseason, only the Bears had more dime snaps than the Buccaneers. Buccaneers had 245 dime snaps. Um, and only the Washington football team had more interceptions than dime than did the Buccaneers and the Eagles. Go figure. And then the Broncos with five. Speaking of the Broncos, Jamar Johnson, safety Denver Broncos. I do know how Johnson lasted until the fifth round out of Indiana. He had first-round coverage abilities in college. You may remember he intercepted Justin Fields twice in one game, including a yep. really nice uh, low posting that just came out of nowhere. But his tackling was really super bad. So fifth round, tape against the Rams. He had a, he had one run fit play where he just came in and he wanted that. He, he really asserted a physical presence I did not see from him in college. And then he had a play uh, outside where it was too high because it's Fangio uh yep. to like came down and just broke the play up it was kind of a john johnson thing where it's <laughs> johnson likes to knock people out more than he likes to get interceptions my point is this cornerback this this secondary if if jamar johnson and fangio said this week yeah he's getting better but he still needs to tackle you know at an nfl level which is true but it, <sighs> This is your secondary. If you got, you got Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons, and Jamar Johnson, who, I mean, wow.
1: Yeah. And, you know, what's the old adage of baseball? You can never have enough pitching. In today's NFL, you can never have enough coverage players in the secondary. Like it's a passing league to, to put those two safeties together, to have those corners. There's a reason people are saying this could be a top three defense
0: because it can be. That's yeah. That's exactly uh, so. Wrong. Before we boot out of here, Cam and Mac. Yep, here are my thoughts. I had said when they signed Cam Newton, the Patriots signed Cam Newton, this is going to be so great because Bill Belichick goes back to his time with as a court defensive coordinator of the Giants when he had to defend Randall Cunningham twice a year. He's never had a quarterback like this. And he must have five folders of mobile quarterback stuff and, you know, advanced QB run game, and it turns out I don't think he did. No. I don't he think, didn't. I don't the, think the, it was ever going to work because what are the hallmarks of the Patriots passing game with Tom Brady?
1: Go quick decisions, ball placement yardage after the catch winning early in the down with precision. I mean, that's kind of what it was. And Cam is Cam's a lot of that things. guy. That ain't He's Cam. not that guy. Cam's a violent thrower with torque in the vertical downfield passing game. And, and if you Another use him,
0: if you use him in the run game, he's devastating. They never, yeah. they never, they never really did. And
1: and and part of that was they didn't really have a running back like ideal situations for that quarterback run game, short yardage, red zone, things like that. They didn't have an ideal running back to pair with that until they drafted Ramondre Stevenson, I'd say. But prior to that, they didn't have that, and so. It just didn't quite work. It just did not quite work. And Belichick in this decision to release Cam, I, I think the decision to all rightly release him was two things. One, Belichick has shown in the past a, a willingness to just release veterans rather than like trade them somewhere because he's like, look, you've earned the right to like pick your new spot. Like I'm not just going to like trade you to somewhere where. I'm not going to like trade you to San Francisco where you're going to be like buried, like find a spot where you're going to be comfortable. Number one, number two, it's the burn the boats moment, right? If you keep cam the first time Mac Jones struggles, my friends, Phil Perry and Mike debate and Evan Lazar are going to walk into that locker room and start asking people, should they go to Cam. If cam's not on the team, there's no going back. This is the, we are turning the page. We are burning the boats. There's no looking back. This is now Mac Jones. This is Mac Jones's team.
0: I had said before week three of the preseason on the pod that the one thing I hadn't seen from Mac is it's third and whatever, you're you're getting pressured and you have to make that hero throw. Right. I saw I saw a little bit of that and it's not evading the pocket; it's pocket movement. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you know what? If you can get it done that way, it's not. I would not invest my professional future in a quarterback who cannot do second reaction stuff. But that's me, and you know. Uh, the guy who is going to do that knows a little bit about football. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, Here that goes. He had a throw
1: on a dig route coming from right to left where he had to sort of slide in the pocket and, you know, where he's set up to look downfield. It looks like he's backpedaling. And, and my mind instantly went to Super Bowl 36, 64 max all in. Tom Brady to Troy Brown to get into field goal range for Vinatieri. It was the same mannerisms, and I was back in lost while watching that play. I'm not saying that he's going to be Tom Brady, but he has to follow that Tom Brady footwork path to keeping himself alive in the pocket. And he's shown enough of that where I think it could
0: work. Will it? That's why they play the games, but I think it could. I have to remember that Tom Brady wasn't Tom Brady for a while. I'm looking this up. No,
1: I mean, what did they do with Tom Brady at the start? They won with defense. They won with the run game. They Well, with-
0: actually, in his second year as a starter uh, – he led the NFL 28 touchdown pass. So maybe he was Tom Brady water. <laughs> yeah. I mean he wasn't Tom's back awful. on the phone. He's telling me to go, you know, boot himself. Cause yeah, I mean it wasn't like it was this was Tom like Brady right
1: away. Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer being carried to Super Bowls. Like he was still pretty good to start, yeah. but
0: but like, he was he wasn't, and I'm not and I'm, i would never put Tom Brady and game manager in the same paragraph. No, no, he was again. a he was a distributor around a run game. Yeah. And the run game all was- quarterbacks are system quarterbacks some quarterbacks are just
1: more system quarterbacks than others that yeah. that is the way to look at it
0: brady let's see led the nfl in yardage in 2005 it wasn't really until 07 when they got 07 What it like when took full, off yeah full metal spread uh first team in nfl history that we know of to go more than 50 shotgun so my you know the point is tom brady wasn't tom like super Tom and it took a a few years. Um, but I I think I've finally come to terms with the fact that this is the kind of quarterback the Patriots want. I think they hoped it would work with cam, but also, and we've discussed this Belichick knew that 2020 was going to be a waste year. That's why all those opt outs, we're going to, you know, dump all this cap. We're going to come back and go crazy. And by the way, this new receiver group, which we really didn't see that much in the preseason. Um, if I don't know what Hunter Henry's health status is, but we can say that every week. Um, th- I mean, he's got, I'm sure Brady's gonna like, okay, now you get these guys, Jeez.
1: right? Jacoby Myers is good. Yeah. Um Jacoby Myers is a good NFL receiver. Hunter Henry, John O. Smith, they're gonna have the 12 personnel capabilities. I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of exotic 22 where you've got Myers, the two tight ends. White and Stevenson on the field like that. Like that's
0: the package I'm most excited to potentially see who plays cornerback opposite JC Jackson. That's the question. That's probably the bigger
1: question. I mean, when you're traded for Sean Wade prior to the season starting, like corner depth is a problem for this team. Like all the additions that they made, all that stuff. The fact that Gilmore, the biggest story out of new England, isn't Mac Jones. It's Stephon Gilmore on pup to start the season. Corner depth is going to be an issue.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and next week uh-huh. in preparation for the games, we will do full on matchups. Talk about this a lot more, but we want to get our all preseason team because it is the thing that NFL players, we look forward to the most. It's like, did I, make absolutely. It? Did I make it? So now did you, make guys, it? you don't have to wait any longer. When we put this up, you'll know if you've made it. So congratulations. Yep. Congratulations to all epic, epic, epic efforts
1: this preseason.
0: Yes, indeed. All right, man. Uh, epic efforts from you as well on Touchdown Wire. Keep it posted there. We got all kinds of stuff coming up, including oh, I'm watching tape with a rather prominent NFL quarterback today.
1: Oh boy, you will see that should do. be fun.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, man. Good stuff as always, and we'll talk next week.
1: Sounds gotcha. good, Doug.